0: God bless. We are continuing through the Beatitudes, and we're actually looking at the last two. And they kind of go together, and as we talk about it, you'll see how that takes place. But this morning, I'm going to be talking about grizzly bear attacks, rites of passage, dinner in Beijing, turmeric, and Jen Hatmaker, okay? Matthew chapter five, verses 10 through 12. Jesus says, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Lord, as we look at these last two of the Beatitudes, I pray, God, for our hearts to be open to what you were saying to the church at that time. And what you are saying to the church today, even us here at Genesis. May we not limit what you intend for our lives and for the church. We do thank you for this time. And we do ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Mm -hmm. There's a few reasons that I almost don't want to talk about these passages. It's kind of like... Telling someone how to survive a grizzly bear attack. I don't know how, right? I I don't know. I, I saw the movie, The Revenant, and I don't want anything to do with grizzly bears attacking. If you've guys seen that, um, that was horrific. And I feel so far removed from any kind of persecution that talking about it almost feels disingenuous. I feel like I'm talking about something that I, I don't have a right to talk about because there are people who actually still are suffering persecution and even as we know the history of persecution in the past i i had heard statistics that from the things that took place in china and in russia in just the the past uh, century more christians uh, were persecuted in those times than at any other time in our history of, of Christianity. And, and so it's something that is very prevalent. But I don't think I can adequately teach on this, not just because of my not experiencing it, but because of the emotion that comes into it. And, and this second reason it's difficult to talk about is just because what a horrible thing to talk about persecution knowing how horrific it has been. In the past, I mean, people being tortured for their faith. And there's a lot of disturbing things that come along with that ideology, right? The writer of Hebrews in chapter 11 even talked about some of those things where he says, I guess I don't have that there. Um, Let me see if I have it somewhere there. No. No, nope, no, nope, no, nope, I don't have it. I'll read it to you because I do have it. Um He says, some were faced with jeers and flogging, even chains and imprisoned. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and in holes in the ground. We see this is true of the prophets. And this was the writer of Hebrews saying, Hey, this is part of our heritage. Great. What, what a, an exciting part of our heritage. I mean, this is terrible advertising if you're wanting to convince people to be followers of Jesus. Hey, you're blessed if you're persecuted, right? It doesn't sell. This is kind of like the, the whole Pepsi commercial and Kendall Jenner. And, you know, we're going to make money off of, you know, the problems that were there. If you guys remember that whole debacle. This doesn't sell. This doesn't flow well. It's not something that we look at and think, oh boy. Now, none of the Beatitudes have been real, oh boy, but this one more than all the others doesn't seem palatable. This one doesn't seem like you can turn it into a place and see this as a blessing when we know what persecution really is. And really was and the lives that were lost because of faith and Jesus and to say, hey, you're blessed. And so I I want to kind of look obviously at the text itself and try and pull some of the things that it says and cover what I can from that. But we have to kind of go into some other areas as well. I think it's important to keep in context what we have seen in the previous statement about peacemakers, right? We we just came from that springboard where Jesus says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God, the idea of an inheritance. And we we spoke about how peacemaking wasn't passive, it was active that it was actually because they were trying to bring about this new world order that Christ was putting into place, the, the kingdom of heaven, trying to abs- assert themselves over the methodology that Rome had in place or even the Pharisees in the way they ruled, that it was this idea that pushed about the problem. That brought about the persecution that actually was paramount in Christ going to the cross. And persecution for the cause of justice is inevitable when that justice is overthrowing the powers that be. And it was true then, and it will always be the case. And instead of seeking to blame someone for their well-earned scars, right, for the things that they went through, he is telling them two clear things. One is, you can be blessed. And he's telling them, you can be blessed now. It's almost as if the persecution is a rite of passage, It is the persecution that helps you to move to this level of relationship and understanding and connection with God. You know, if you've ever been to a bar mitzvah or a bat mitzvah where there's this rite of passage where they're becoming a young They're becoming a young man or becoming a young woman. They're moving from childhood to the sense of adulthood. There is this sense of now a new responsibility to you. We can do it even in marriages. You were two single people. Now you are joined as one and together you're going to move through life. This rite of passage, this persecution is almost like this rite of passage of going through this horrific thing now brings you into something new a place that he calls blessed, and something that you're supposed to partake of now. We also notice that Jesus says the same thing twice. In fact, there's people wonder, is this one beatitude or is this two? Because they're very similar. And if we're using the word blessed as leading us into it, then we have to count them as two. And we see in verse 10, there's some differences. He says, blessed are those. But in verse 11, he says, blessed are you. In verse 10, he says, who have been. In verse 11, it's more matter of fact, it's when. Not who have been, it's actually when. Verse 10, he says, persecuted. In verse 11, it's insulted, persecuted, and slandered. Verse 10, he says, for the sake of righteousness, verse 11, it's because of me. And so there's a little bit more depth in the second part, or as he kind of develops this, the reiteration of the first beatitude. We see him going a little bit deeper and making it a little bit more personal. And as we look at those things, there are some things that reoccur that should make us take notice. In the whole section of Beatitudes, he's now repeating himself from the first one to this last one, right? The first Beatitude was poor in spirit, and the blessing was theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The last one is the persecuted for righteousness, and theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is the same blessing for the poor in spirit and the persecution. We see righteousness that he mentions in verse 6 also mentioned here. There's kind of reiterating some of the things there and and again I I think it's to bring to uh, fruition it's to try and bring this to completion try and help us to understand the progress that is taking place that the citizen of heaven who is poor and spared who mourns who hungers and thirsts for righteousness all these things that we've been looking at who is making peace comes to a place where persecution is now a part of what's going to happen Happen to them, and theirs is the kingdom of heaven, is the promise. These observations point to what Jesus is trying to stress that all of the Beatitudes are interlocked. They all work together. They're not sequential. They are a part of the character of what it is to be a follower. And when you are a follower, it encompasses all that comes with it. You kind of get all these things together. The state of true spiritual health, or as he says in these, blessedness, contradicts the world's values. And so persecution is natural for someone who is in opposition with the values of this world the values that are self-serving, that are consuming, that care more about what a person can get than about people themselves. The minute you start rocking that boat, you start making problems with systems that are dependent on those things. And persecution is the result. Why would Jesus say this though? Can you imagine what would happen if he didn't? Can you imagine what the the followers of his would feel when they would go out and suffer persecution? They probably think we're doing something wrong, right? The whole book of Revelation as we've been going through it is all about how there is persecution that is going to take place, but it's not the end of the story that it does not mean the kingdom of heaven isn't present, that you have not failed, you are not forgotten. This is normal. And so Jesus is putting it out there so that they could know when they go out there and the message that they are presenting causes the friction, causes the waves, causes the blowback on them that they are able to say, oh, remember, he told us that this would happen. And so it's a preparation for them. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 10, verses 16 through 20, he says, behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. This is when he was sending them out to go and do his work. He says, beware of men for they will hand you over to the courts and scourge you in their synagogues. He says, brother will betray brother to death. You will be hated by all because of my name. So this isn't new. This is something that was presented. Now, again, this is presented. Why? Because they're doing something terrible? No, because they are making peace according to the kingdom of God, and that's disrupting the kingdoms of this world and how they want to control, how they want to rule the power that they have. And if he hadn't warned them, They would assume they'd messed up, that the pains of persecution are hard enough by themselves. But thinking it was because they did something wrong would make it that much worse. And so his words assure us that persecution isn't failure. And like he said, a slave is not greater than its master. Christ suffered, they would suffer also. Peter eventually Got that message. Even though he denied the Lord when the persecution came to his door, he recognized it and would say in first Peter 4 12, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you as though something strange were happening to you, but rejoice. Rejoice. How do I take this idea of rejoicing in persecution when I have never suffered the extent of this kind of persecution? How and what do I learn from this? What do we learn from this? Viktor Frankl, in his book, Man's Search for Meaning, he was a Jewish neurologist. And he observed in the Nazi prison camps that survivors were the people who believed that their lives had meaning. And his observations have been validated by recent research. Having a purpose or having meaning brings longer and healthier lives. It is the people who felt that there was no meaning, no purpose to their life who would give up, who wouldn't ration their food, they would just eat it all as soon as they could to satisfy themselves for that short time and then they would die. But the ones who felt that they were here for a purpose would actually do what they could to fulfill that purpose. And it isn't necessarily illness or pain that breaks a soul Oftentimes what it is, is meaninglessness. When a person takes their life, a lot of times it is not because of pain, it is because of hopelessness, feeling no meaning to life, so what is the point? And this might be the reason why we ask why when problems come. We want to find meaning, especially for the things that just don't make sense. Why did that child come down with cancer? Why did that person die in this way? Why did this happen? It could be anything from natural disasters to physical ailments to violence. And we always want to know why, because... Meaning is so important to us. If I could find out meaning, it might help me to deal with the pain just a little bit better. And so I wonder, what is the meaning? And we can't and don't need to find the meaning for everything that happens. We just can't. We're never going to find the meaning for a lot of the things that happen in our lives. And I don't think we need to find the meaning for all the little things. What I think is we need an overarching meaning for the whole of our lives. We, we need to find meaning for why we're alive that enables us to survive the separate meaningless events that seem to take place. And I wonder, is there anything in my life big enough worth dying for? Is there anything in my life big enough worth dying or suffering for? See, because I I think this is coming to the heart of what Jesus is talking about. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness or or for his name's sake. Blessed are those who are living their lives with meaning because when things happen, there is something more important than the seemingly meaningless things that do happen. there is something bigger... And if so, then my life has a meaning that is bigger than the things that happen. My life has meaning that adds value to my life overall. And I don't know how I would respond if I were faced with persecution. I'm not a big fan of pain, right? I I don't, I've watched the movies and they always, you know, put the guy down in a chair in a basement and they got a light in his eyes and they open that thing and there's, you know, needles and pliers. And, and, you know, at that point, I'm like, what do you want to know? You know, I'll even tell you what I don't know. Just tell me what you want. I'm not a fan of that kind of pain and I don't know how I would respond in those things, right? But what many followers of Christ have found in those times is that whether they were able to hold on to the Lord or not was irrelevant. It was that he held on to them. In 1986, I went to China and I got to meet with a man who was imprisoned for 10 years because he was a follower of Jesus and he was a pastor of the underground church that was there, a number of places that would meet. And and so we went and it was in Beijing. We went into a nice hotel at that time uh, to have dinner and to meet and talk with them. And we were there and there was all these people sitting and eating and I was starving. I was hungry because we had flown in and we hadn't been able to really eat. So I was really hungry. And then he sat down and we started talking to him through a a translator. And his nickname was Panda because he couldn't use his real name because they would find his family and persecute his family as well. So we called him Panda. And as we were there talking to Panda, he he was just smiling and happy to talk to us. And I remember asking him, how was it, you know, what what is it that kept you, you know, going all those years in prison? Ten years, did, did it seem like a long time? And he says, oh, it was a long time. He goes, oh, but great things happened. While we were there in prison. And I said, Were you mad at the people who, who, you know, imprisoned you and put in you, he goes, Oh, it was terrible, but I got to lead many of the guards to faith in Jesus. And throughout this whole time, no one's coming in waiting on us. We were like, Excuse us. And people are just ignoring us. I see other people eating and I'm thinking, Why are they eating? You know, well, we're not eating. And so I'm sitting here, my stomach's grumbling, my mind is grumbling. I'm sitting across from a man who's just beaming, talking about how blessed he was to be able to bring this gospel message of Jesus to the people there in the prison and how they would share scripture verses and hand them out and memorize them and share them and share them and share them. And And then finally it dawns on me, the reason we are not getting served is because of him. Because they knew who he was and they didn't want to be associated with him so they would not serve us. And here I am complaining that I'm hungry to a man who spent 10 years. Well, I didn't complain to him, thankfully, but I was complaining in my head to a man who spent 10 years in prison just because of his faith. You see, this is why the idea of talking about persecution means so little to me, I feel. I'm persecuted because they didn't bring me my dinner. And there's a man who spent 10 years in prison. And he was the happiest man I've ever met. And I think blessed. And I think of that face smiling. Separated from his family because of the danger he would bring to them. They finally released him because he was causing too much problem, leading people to faith in prison. But they thought it was better to have him outside than inside because he's messing up the whole works. The promise of these last two Beatitudes is the kingdom of heaven, and we've been talking about that. That's the foundation of this whole thing. The kingdom of heaven is near, it is right here, it is in front of you. It is the promise of God's presence with you, God's Spirit. And it's also the promise and hope for God's future. And by now we should know how life works. Those of us who are older, right? Time goes and what we do today is what happens to us tomorrow. You see, I should have taken better care of my body 30 years ago because now I'm feeling it. I was doing a dog training lesson in Woodland Hills and it was about an hour and 45 minute drive and and I got to the house that I was there and as I got out of my truck, I kind of had to unfold as I got out, right? Anyone know what I'm talking about? It's like, you don't just jump out and go, yeah, I'm here. It's kind of like, uh, uh, you know, I'm making, and I guess it was obvious that I was a little slow and, and unfolding out of my truck because one of the ladies who was there and she said, you having a problem there? And she's joking, teasing me, right? And I go, no, I'm fine. You know, what's wrong with you? You know? And she goes, have you ever tried uh, turmeric? And I said, what is that? And she goes, oh, it's a spice. You take it and it helps with what you're going through right now. And sure enough, I started taking it. And if you are up in your ear, ears like me, the turmeric is a great spice that you can take twice a day that helps you get out of bed in the morning or helps you get out of your truck after an hour and 45 minutes drive. Right? It's something that if I would have known back then how I would feel today, I probably would have exercised more and ate better. And I should probably start doing that now for the next few years, right? But... Let's not make life too uncomfortable. We should know by now that things that happen today lead up to the things that will happen tomorrow. That we do have the hope of heaven even though we don't choose persecution. It doesn't stand in our way for the hope that is before us. And still yet to come. That, that all the things that we go through now, the training, the, the exercising of faith, is producing something of value later on. That persecution isn't without benefit, even though it's not wanted. That it's not how strong I am, but it's how strong God is. That matters when we go through something that is beyond our strength. It's okay to throw up your hands and say, I surrender. Because blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are those who mourn. Do you see? This is all leading into the place of our inadequacy, does not change God's adequacy. If anything, it puts us in a place closer to seeing it, closer to being able to hold on to it, closer to him. There are things that we go through that might not be as severe as the persecution that Jesus was warning them about. But there are persecutions that we may go through. People speak against us, slander us because of our faith and our belief in Jesus. And when we try to be like Christ, there are some people who won't understand. It was a few months ago, I was speaking to someone here. They were coming to Genesis. They loved you guys. They really did. Then I talked to them and they don't come here anymore. Um, They they loved it here. They loved you guys. And we were going through the Bell series, the Surprise the World series. And they were sitting at the table with all of you. And they were enjoying the, the getting to know each other. And as he came up and talked to me afterwards, he was telling me how much he loved this place. And he just, man, we were at a bigger church and we came here and we really like it and we like, you know, the people and we love the things that you're saying, you're teaching and stuff, you know, Uh, some of these other places, they're kind of out there. I went to this one church, you know, and they had uh, women, you know, who were in leadership and I was like, I just smiled and I go, well, (laughs) you know, there's a reason that people do have women pastors and women leaders. I mean, in the scripture, there is some places where we see that. In Romans 16, there is a woman, Julia, who is among the apostles. And that would mean she's got to be a leader. She's got to be one of the teachers there. And he just stopped, looked at me, and I've never seen him again. Now, I'm not claiming like, yes, see what I did, you know. I didn't do anything. All I did was say, this is what I believe, and there are a lot of people who believe like this. And he, in turn, said, well, no, I don't like that, so I'm not going to come here. He didn't talk to me. He didn't, you know, like, let's go out and eat. Let's hash this over. Let's laugh about it. Let's do something. No, there was just no talking about it. And this kind of thing happens in our churches in the United States a lot more. Many of you know Jen Hatmaker. She's an author. She's a blogger. um, She was a public speaker in a lot of churches. Her books were well-read and everywhere. And then one day she said that she was talking to her brothers and sisters who were homosexual. And after that, Lifeway bookstores got rid of all her books. And then she said she didn't appreciate then 2016 Donald Trump as the candidate and how Christians, quote, were following him. And she got death threats because she talked against and if she didn't put down Trump. She just said she didn't support him. And she got death threats for that. And so in, in a matter of just months, all her books, which is her livelihood, were ostracized from the major Christian bookstore. And she got death threats from people who were supposedly Christians just because of the things that she said, because she was trying to stand near some people who she felt she should stand near. And and I I say this not to say one way is right or one way is wrong, and and I'm just sharing with you some of my thoughts and feelings about following Christ and loving the way Christ loves and, and loving even when people say don't or even when people will threaten your Finances. And you see, I don't think a church should threaten someone's income because they don't believe the right things or like they do. I, I think that's strong-arming. That doesn't strike me like Jesus. And no one can convince me that Jesus' heart isn't to extend himself out to love and care for people. I have friends who are Christian and who are gay. I have family members who are Christian, or not Christian, but who are gay. In fact, one of them, Karina and I saw the other day, and his aunt, who is a Christian, he just got married to a man. His aunt, who is a Christian, every time she saw him, told him about his sin. And he told Corrine, I wish once she would have just asked me how I was doing. I wish once she would have just treated me like a human being. You see, regardless of where you stand in your beliefs here, you need to love. You need to care. And I don't think I am wrong in trying to help people love people in spite of the differences that we have. And if people want to leave because I say things like this, is it persecution? Well, not in the real sense of the word. But I think it's important that this is my path to, to make sure that I know my path and I want you to know your path and and I want you to walk in it and not fear repercussions. Do not fear those who will kill the body, Jesus said, but are unable to kill the soul. I don't want you to live your life in fear of what people are going to do and never regret the troubles that come to you for loving someone that you're not supposed to. If you love those who love you, what good is that? Sinners do that. The kingdom of God looks different. It loves different. It loves and it costs persecution. That's where this love will take you. And so, again, I'm sitting here wrestling, okay, how do I share these things? And don't worry about me. I'm good, right? I'm fine. I'm not like, oh, no, what's going to happen here? I I have to be who I feel Jesus was. That's my goal. Jesus says, you search the scriptures and you think you have in your life, but that eternal life, that they speak of me. And so what I see Jesus, I want to emulate. And when people want me to give them a Bible verse to make everything good, why can women be, you know, uh, leaders when this passage says this? And I just say, look at Jesus. He had nothing but good things to say about women. He had Mary sitting like a disciple. He revealed himself to the women first at the resurrection. Well, what about these people? Look what Jesus did with the tax collectors. They were thieves. Remember, the prostitutes felt comfortable. They came and washed his feet with their tears. I just want to be like Jesus. And if loving like Jesus causes persecution, so be it. If being like Jesus is so contrary to the world system or even the church's system, so be it. Blessed are those who are persecuted for his name's sake, who want to live and be like him, who want to stir things up so much that people can't resist the love of God and it's overthrowing all the sales in the bookstores and all the things that people do to try and have and develop control. And Jesus says, no, this is how I want you to live and this is blessed And so I'm not telling you what to believe, what not to believe. I trust God's got your number and the Holy Spirit will minister to you how he needs to minister to you. I really am not in the job of telling people what to believe. I just want to help us to understand and see Jesus and have a relationship where he actually speaks to us and actually changes me because I don't like who I am I need to be more. I need to be better. I want to be more. I don't want to be satisfied and comfortable. And if persecution is the way to blessedness, then I don't want to stop short of it. I want to push through and know that Jesus warned me. And on the other side, the strength, the health, the kingdom, the life that I'm longing for, that we're longing for. Let's go there. Let's pray. Father, I do pray that your words would shake us up, that the idea of persecution and the horrors that come with those thoughts are meant to be horrific. They're meant to be sobering. And so I pray, God, that our comfortable lives would be broken down. Not that we would want to be uncomfortable, but that we would want to be like you. That righteousness, justice means so much to us that we're willing to take the name calling. We're willing to take the pressure. Even as people are willing to take the physical pain for following you, might we count this cost and it not be too much? That blessedness is on the other side of persecution if the persecution is for righteousness. God, I don't want to be persecuted for being a jerk. I don't want to be persecuted for being stupid. I don't want persecution unnecessary to my life, but I do want what it is you have to offer. And I pray, Lord, that we would all Desire what is on the other side of even persecution. We do pray and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together. May you love and care so much that it hurts. May people persecute you because. You are daring and willing to love and care. May you not fear what men will do to you. May you allow the Spirit of God to push you past persecution into the blessed kingdom of God. God bless you guys. Have a wonderful day. You have been listening to the Genesis podcast.